You're listening to the Flow Theory Podcast. Ladies and gents, I am your host, Wade Peary, and boy, oh boy, you better, you better get out the way when number 61 is rolling down the field. Ladies and gents, we got the man, the myth, the legend, former Virginia Cavalier, great, Elton Brown in the house. And I am super fired up about it. Consensus All-American at right guard 2004 for the Virginia Cavaliers. And a two-time Jacobs Blocking Trophy Award winner for the best offensive lineman in the ACC. Let me tell you something. When number 61 was running down the field, you better just watch out. You better call somebody. Because Elton Brown would absolutely destroy people in the open field. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, Big E. How's it going, big fella? Pretty good. Thanks for having me, man. Excited about it. Yeah, super pumped to have you on, man. Two times, two-time Jacobs Blocking Trophy Award winner. Consensus All-American in 2004. Really love watching you play for the Who's. Um just want to go ahead and get down to it, Big E. Um, let's talk about some of your moments playing for the Cavaliers and uh, your moments when you were in the zone for the Who's. Like, were there a few moments out there when you you just felt locked in and you just couldn't be stopped? Um, I, go, I, I think one of, the, one of the things is, like, going into each game, you try to mentally prepare yourself um, to go out there and be in the zone. And then you get you get in the game and, and things get to flowing and you just have games that stick out a lot uh, a lot more than other games. Like uh, I remember being a sophomore uh, playing Clemson and uh, we were actually on the goal line going in. And I think it was like third and one, fourth and one, and we called like a reverse and it was it was to Billy McMullen. And I didn't know till later, but when he got the ball, he tripped over Shaw's foot, so he was stumbling. So. But when I got around, it was just me and a DB, and I, I kind of killed them, and I just <laughs> just wiped them out completely. And I think that was like the first major uh, – Coach Rowe used to have these things called uh, Elton moments, and that was like the, the first Elton moment. And to me, like, it was just always about playing the best I could and capturing those moments. So throughout my time at Virginia, I've had a, a couple of those Elton moments where – um, they stood out a lot more than other plays, but I just try to be locked in every game, man, and, and give it my all. Play for play for the guys beside me. I know I heard you talk a little bit on the Cherry Ratcliffe show about uh, the Maryland game, uh, Elton. Talk about that a little bit because uh, Coach Grow was talking to Jerry about uh, a time in that one when you were. It was a screen play to Wally Lundy. And uh, you cleared the road for number thirty-three. <laughs> so, so it was. Um, it was actually, like I said, going into that game. It was another game where you know we, we were locked in and we, we wanted to. Um, I think we were playing at the time. We were both tied for second or something like that. So we were playing for so so second place at, at the time. So being locked in, it ended up um, we were up pretty good. Um, it was third and twenty-seven. 
Like I, I told Jay, I thought everybody in the stadium knew like it was either gonna be a screen or a quick play or a quick pass play. So um, third and twenty-seven, we they ended up going man, which was which was crazy. So we ended up getting the man, and our center Zach Zach Yalbro, he got out in front of me and he ended up cutting the linebacker. Once he cut the linebacker, it was just it was just me. It was me and uh the first the first person I saw was a DB. So. Wally made a good, a good setup move where he dipped in and, and jumped back out. So the DB was off balance. So I, I killed him. And then um, when I got him down, I just kept going. And, like, close to the goal line, I just saw another DB coming. So I said, let me take him out, too. So it was, uh, it was a great time. It was a great play. It was one of those plays where I always remember. Um, it's not too often, especially in college football, where you're able to take two guys out in one play. So, um it was great, man. I had I had a ball. I go back and watch that play a lot, man. <laughs> um, so for that Maryland game, I mean, was there anything in particular, like before that game, when you know you did you feel anything in particular, like I'm going to have an amazing game this game, or it just kind of locked in on that play in particular? Uh, my, my my thing was um, Maryland had a linebacker. Uh, E.J. Henderson, he was up for the Buckets, great linebacker. Um, and, and that season, he had been on a tear. Like, he was he was killing everybody he played against. So, to me, it was always uh, – I wanted to play against the best guys, man, and I, I wanted to perform against the best guys. So, when you get an opportunity to get on that stage and play against somebody of that caliber, you always want to show up. So, to me, going into that week, it was always about, like, always winning your individual matchup, but – Anytime you can get get a chance to, to get your hands on that guy and, and kind of show him um, that, that you're a good player as well, you know, you, you want to do that. And that was my thing. That was going into that week. That's, that's what, what had me locked in. Like, I, I wanted to play the best. So if we're going into a game and people can see you, consider you the best, I want I want to see it. Um, I want I want one of us going to leave good. Uh, <laughs> one of us going to leave is considered the best. And one of us going to leave this you know, being good. So that was my thing, just to, you know, make him show up, like, you know, and have fun. And I'm pretty sure going, that was his mindset into the game. Like, they say this is a good good guard, so I want to see. So, you know, that was that was my mindset going into the game. I was locked in. Yeah, you know, one of your quotes that I heard on the Jerry Ratcliffe podcast that uh, I thought was really awesome and watching the last dance with Michael Jordan, it really reminded me of the mindset that Michael Jordan had that every game he wanted to show up and didn't want to disappoint the fans, coaches, players. He owed it to everyone to give it your give it his all. And I heard you say similar things on the Jerry Ratcliffe uh, podcast. And, you know, the way you played out there, it certainly showed every single game. Yeah, that, my, my thing, my mindset was always, uh, and I remember first meeting with Coach Grover, and, and me just asking him for opportunity, and I, and I told him, like, coach, if, if you give me an opportunity, you won't you won't be disappointed. So, to me, every time you lined up, whether it was practice, um, every time you, you you went into a classroom, every time you went out into the community, it was uh it was always my my goal to to be the best Cavalier that I could be, um, because I, I felt like I owed it to Coach Grow. I felt like I owed it to the community, the fans, my teammates, um, because. Without those guys, like I'm not. So you know, it's easy to to go out there and play your hardest. That's that's easy, you know. Um, but 
when you just so you want to be your best every single day and that that was my that was my mindset that was my thing just to continue to be continue to be the best I could be because I felt like I owed it to that community I owed it to my teammates coach Grove uh, the rest of the coaches and I mean everybody out there watching I, I just didn't want to disappoint like if you took your time to come watch us play like you know we want to give you a show. Yeah, you certainly did put on a show, my man. You know, (laughs) one of the quotes I told you when we were messaging before this interview was Nick Saban. One of the quotes that he always says, I've seen him in during practice is finish, finish the play. And he yells it and he stamps his foot on the ground. Every time, like whatever I think of that, I think of you and how you would finish off when you're going after a guy. It wasn't, I'm going to get in this guy's way. It's no, this guy is going to be tasting grass and dirt after I'm done with him. (laughs) God, it was so much fun to watch. Like my favorite part of your uniform was the way you would put that uh, tape all over your wrists, like all the way down to your forearms was like, was that something like you just did out of like habit or like, did you just like the way that made you like feel going before the game? Well, it was, it was crazy because, um, back, like back in high school, like, uh, like my, like I used to have a problem like with my thumb. So what I ended up doing is I, I watched like with the boxers and stuff. So the boxers would tape it up and it'd go all the way up their forearm and, I'm like, well, yeah, if these dudes can survive, you know, 12 rounds and they don't have no no problems and issues, I'm going to take myself up like a boxer. And in high school, I learned how to do my own thing. So, you know, like that was my thing for the game. Like you you say get in the zone. Like my thing was when I get to the stadium, do the same thing. I walk out the locker room. I walk straight to the goalpost that's closest to our locker room. I walk directly to the 50. I pray. I give thanks for being there. I walk to the other I mean, I walk the other fifty yards to that goal post, and once I get, I, I circle around, and that whole time I'm just thinking about the game. I'm thinking about everything, um, last minute adjustments, assignments, those things. And once I get back in the locker room, I go get my my ankle tape, and I put on my whole uniform. And, and while I'm putting on my whole uniform, I do my thing. I get in my zone. But that moment, like right before it's time to go out, I, I usually always do my tape then. And it was just like the last moment before boxing about to come out and he put his gloves on. So he put his tape on and then he gets gloves on. So that was my thing. That's how I kind of got locked in mentally. Uh, yeah, that wrist tape, it was an epic part of your uniform. And honestly, I, I can't remember a Virginia lineman, O-lineman that taped their wrists up the way you did, but I loved it because it was, it was just like part of your uniform. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, one of the more surprising things I found out, like researching for this, was that when you were a freshman in high school for the Hampton Crabbers, you you quit football because you said they hit too hard, and your mom told you <laughs> to keep playing and said to hit harder. Talk about that a little bit. So, so, <laughs> so, so the thing was. Um, Actually, that, at that time, I wasn't at Hampton yet. I was at Heritage. But I hadn't, I hadn't played football my whole life. Like, my first time playing was in the ninth grade. So when I, when I got out there, 
I was like, man, I, I really, I really didn't like football. So it was just like, I was like, man, I'm, I'm quitting. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not dealing with this. So, you know, going home and like my mom knew nothing about football. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't like one of those parents where like you're going to do this and we're going to benefit off this. And she didn't know anything about football. All she knew was you decided that you're going to play. So regardless of what happens, you're going to finish the season. We can talk about you playing. Um, there's the following year when the season's over, but you already went out there, so you're going to finish the season. And so, you know, we, we go on and we talk back and forth. I'm like, look, man, they hit too hard. I don't want to play. So he was like, well, either you hit them harder or I'm going to hit you. And I think at that moment, that's kind of where the whole Big E thing was born right there. That's funny. So so she gave you the nickname Big E? Oh, did she? she um. I don't. It's crazy because I don't know where where it came from. Actually, what what year? I know in high school. I think it was in high school somewhere around that time. So maybe it is credited to her. I, I, I whether the name was credited to her or not. I know those hits were definitely credited. To her. That's funny. Um, I tell you what, you played with so many great players during your time at Virginia. I mean, just rewatching the two Continental Tire Bowl games, I'm just like, man, like Virginia had so many guys back then. Angelo Kroll, who is one of the more underrated players in Virginia football history, really one of the best linebackers in Virginia football history, Daryl Blackstock. Rich Bettison in the in the 2002 season. Talk about those three uh, trio linebackers. Oh, um, I mean, it was just even going beyond beyond those guys. Like when it was Earl Sims, Earl Robinson. Um, we had Dennis Haley. We had Raymond Mann. Like our linebacker core, there we came, and it was Amar Brooks and it was Cal Farm. So, like to. Our linebacker room was, was, was as deep as our offensive line room. Um, so you can only imagine the battles that we had in practice um, just with, with going up against our linebacker. So um, I always tell the story about Earl Sims that uh, one morning it was, we had a, a 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. practice one time, and Earl was just out there. just <laughs> he, he was upset we were out there at 6 o'clock. But um, and I, I was a freshman that year, and – you know, Earl was one of those guys where you know if he hit you, you, you felt it. So um, it was just one play where we were doing inside running. He blitzed like four plays in a row. And it was just me and him, four plays in a row. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> so um, it, it kind of, at that moment, that that was just, I, I credit that, that practice as well because it allowed me to understand. And I have played some games up until that point and things like that, but it allowed me to understand, like, you know, every every play you got to strap up and you got to be ready to go. So, uh, but that's a, that's a credit to, to the linebacking core that we had. And I know you named three guys, but it's there's so many guys that sat in that room that that were so instrumental in our success. And I, I just had a ball competing against them, and I had a ball watching them on Saturdays and Thursday nights. Who is the toughest toughest player that uh, you've ever had to block during your career? Um, Florida State had some good guys, uh, Darnell Dockett, uh, Travis Johnson. They were two great defensive tackles. Um, but to me, I think, like, going against, like, a Chris Canty, 
um, and practice every day. Like that that prepared me for for whoever. Um, like it, it was rare to, that you 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 got that combination like a six six two ninety guy who could move and who was athletic and um, so he prepared me for whoever I faced. So and I had to see him for four years. So <laughs> so it was that was my toughest battle right there for four years. So. Um, but I mean, he went on to do great things, um, and and it, it showed. I was I was extremely hurt and sad when his senior season ended ended on um, with him on crutches. Um, it, it kind of set us back a little bit, but um, it, it, just, it was just sad to see him see it end that way for him. Um, yeah. I was hurt for him, but that was that was the guy, man. Like uh, he he got me ready, he got me prepared every every week, and we could sit and have conversations. Um, just about life and those type of things. So um, he, he was extremely helpful on my journey. Yeah, I was at that Syracuse game uh, when when he took that knee when he took that helmet to the knee. Uh, you knew it wasn't good, and you could just hear a pin drop in that stadium. Quite honestly, out of all the years being in Scott Stadium, that was probably one of the quietest moments that I can remember. I mean, it was it was just dead silent in that place. But, um, exactly. you know, super thankful that Chris went on to have a super successful pro career. And now he's got a great broadcasting career. So uh, he's done yeah. really well. Yeah, exactly. Um, the 2002 campaign, Biggie, really to me, like the t- – I mean, all your seasons were special, but to me, there was something magical about that 2002 team. Just like you guys had so many different things kind of bounce your way. And and sure, you didn't have the most amazing record, but like you guys just found a way to persevere in certain situations. I felt like this is what I felt like was the turning point of the 2002 season. I thought it was the South Carolina game at home. I will never forget this play. Muffin Curry did the lawnmower drill, rips the ball out of a guy's arms. The ball was literally right beside the boundary, and and it just stopped perfectly on the ground. I'll never forget that. And we jumped on it, and you guys ended up winning that game, but I thought it was such a – such a momentum swinging moment and just kind of a microcosm of just how magical of a season that uh, 2002 campaign was. I think that uh, I would agree. I, th- I think what ended up happening was um, we all came in like I came in with Coach Grove um, in that 2001 season. And, you know, it was still, it was still some, some, some guys left over from, from the prior class and things like that. And, and Gro kind of wanted to implement the way he wanted to do things. So, you know, that season was was a, was a rough one. Uh, we ended on, on a good note, but we understood, like, by understood what he was saying, what we could what we could get accomplished. So, going into the off season of that 2001 season, uh, going into the 2002 season, like we knew if we took the rape, weight room serious and and we we held each other accountable that we could go do some special things. And at that time, like, UVA was uh, kind of like a middle-of-the-pack team. But so we, we, we all took pride in wanting to be the change and, and wanting to, to catapult Virginia football back to what it had been. So, you know, to go into that season, we, we definitely got some breaks. But I think 
a lot of it went to the way we worked in the off season and the way we came together. And that season started the, the plethora of the, the, the next few seasons that we, we were successful. Um, we were successful 2002, 2003, 2004. Um, I, I graduated in four. We were successful in five. So um, I think we, it went, we went on a run till about 2007 where we didn't have a losing record. So, you know, it, I, I think you, you have to start somewhere. And I think that, that season and especially that game kind of kicked off that run. And, you know, we just we just rode that wave. And, and But we understood if we buy into this thing and, and we do what we need to do, we can get to what we're trying to get to. You know, I'm very fascinated to hear about the 2002 recruiting class. It was ranked number four in the country by a lot of analysts. I, I cannot tell you how excited I was to see all of those guys take the field for the first time. Like when I when I got to see Wally Lundy, Michael Johnson, I mean, there were, there were so many guys in that recruiting class. But I, I tell you, like I could tell certain coaches, they kind of give you little hints in fall camp as to whether or not which players are going to be truly special. And, and I'll never forget the quotes from Al Groh before that 2002 season, the way he was gushing about Wally Lundy. Knew he was going to be special from the start. Yeah, uh, he, that that whole that whole class, um, that class on top of you know the class that we had, and then the, the class after that, we, it helped us put together some some, some great runs. Um, you know, speaking on Wally, I mean, he had a guy that had excellent vision. Um, he, he knew how to he knew how to find the hole. He knew how to um, get to the end zone. He knew how to find the end zone, and I think. He was the ultimate um, between him and Pierman. It was like, to me, one of the greatest backfields in college football at that time because they both had things that they did well. To me, Alvin Pierman did everything well. He could catch out the backfield. Um, he was a tough, hard-nosed guy. And then Watley was, was that guy that I could find the end zone regardless. So, you know, you had that one-two punch, and then we had some great guys up front. So it was and we had, and then you know we had two great quarterbacks with Schaub and then Hagen. So it was one of those things where, it's, it's like we talked about that 2002 season, it helped catapult us to to some great success. Yeah, I definitely agree with you about Alvin Pierman, Elton. Alvin Pierman, quite honestly, could be you could put him on the list of one of the most underrated players in college football history. Like. I think a I lot of people forget about Alvin Pierman, but you go back and look at his tape. He was ridiculous. I mean, he led the ACC in all-purpose yardage in 2004. Some of the catches that that guy made. I remember the Virginia Tech game. He made that catch where he went airborne. God, I mean, he yeah. must have jumped about four feet in the air for that ball. Yeah, and he was – what if a lot of people don't remember – he he would turn the punt. He would return the punt and, and, and go out and take the first snap on offense. Um, I, I recall a game where I can't remember. I think we were playing Akron, and Akron had a guy who uh, you, you could tell it was kind of like their game plan, where it was like, "Look, we're gonna knock this guy out." So, like they punted the ball, and, and Pyramid called a fair catch, and the guy comes flying down, and before Pyramid needs to touch the ball, he hits him. Um, nowadays, you know, you, you can't go into it, but I think Alvin had a concussion, but he still went out there. And the next play, he took he took it like fifty six yards to the crib. Like 
Like that shows you like the, like how tough he was. Like, you know, it was he just took this hit and you could tell he was kinda out of it, but he still had to, he was still in his right mind to know, okay, we're gonna run this play, this is where the hole's gonna be, and he had the, the acceleration to just burst through there and go score. And, he, and it was like a fifty six yarder. So, um it was that but that was to me every time I think about Alvin Pyramid, like I think about that game and that play because it, that that's what what exemplify who he was. Like he was tough, hard nosed guy. It didn't matter who we were playing, and it didn't matter how many times you hit him. He was coming to play. And, and as an offensive lineman, you you love guys like that. Who you know, hey, hey, just give me a little bit. And both our backs were that way. But just with him, we came in together. Um, and, and just to see him grow and, and be like I said, I, I agree with you. I think he's one of the most underrated college football players, um, especially one of the most underrated um, ACC guys ever. Um, I think he, he definitely was – he definitely could have been first team all ACC uh, two, two, three years. So, I agree. You know, i tell you a funny, funny story. I have – one of my memories about Alvin Pierman was – and I've read about this a number of times. You guys were playing Duke in Durham – and Alvin Pierman had a cast on his right wrist. I'll never forget this play because they, they called a flea flicker. And Pierman's in the huddle. He's like, oh, God, what do I do? Like, I'm not supposed to be in the game. And he he stayed in. And and the way he chucked the ball back to Schaub, he, he flexed like both of his elbows out and just kind of chucked it back to him. And Schaub hits Michael McGrew. I think it was Michael McGrew down like yeah. about a 30-yard 30, yep. 30 catch, something like that. But that play to me, it, it was a game-changing play. And for Alvin Pierman to toss that back to Schaub, like that was uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, and, he, and, and like you said, that was that exemplified who he was. Like, you know, it wasn't – he's like, man, we're not going to waste the time out. Look, I could get it done. And, and that's – that's who he was, and you know, like you said, <laughs> he got it. Was it was funny looking, but he got it done. And he also had the hook and hook and ladder play in uh, two thousand one, where Billy McMullen dumped it, dumped it back to him. And I was amazed looking back at that play, how close that ball was to touching the ground. But <laughs> Al, Alvin was, was able to save it and take it to the house. So I'll never forget listening to that. I was listening to that game on the radio, and me and my brother were just going nuts. Yeah, that was one of my um, uh, I think that was my second or third start um, at that time. It might, yeah, no, it might have been my first start. So yeah, that was a, that was a great game to be a part of. And like you said, I mean, he had the he had the two hands squat and catch that ball, and then catch it and accelerate it to the end zone for us to get that win. That was one. That was one of the greatest wins in, in Virginia history as well, too. Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about. Bill Musgrave, Elton. I, I really love Bill Musgrave. Funny story for you about Bill Musgrave. I actually got to meet him at a sports career conference when I was in I was in college, and I was about fifteen people in line, and and I stood in line just to talk to him about the Continental Tire Bowl and tell him, you know, how much I loved him and how much I loved that game, and just 
loved him as an offensive coordinator. And, and he talked about the Continental Tire Bowl. All he said was, yeah, man, we got it going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he was like, um, you know, we only we only got to spend that first season season together um, because, of course, you know, everybody, he was even highly sought after that season. But um, just to, just to, to the, the mind, the mind, for the game that he had, it was, it was just so, so amazing. Um, and to be able to be a part of it, to be a part of that offense and, and learn so many things from him, it, it was a blessing. Um, he he was definitely uh, instrumental in, in getting us rolling and, you know, the way he, he his playbook and, and those type of things. And once he left, it was, you know, Coach Prince had took over and we kind of just, just got it rolling. But Musgrave was instrumental in getting us to that point. So, but he was – you talk about a great not, – not just a great offensive mind, but a great coaching mind. So to be around that kind of helps anybody's career. I know it helped mine. So, and it was, it was a reason why we had so many guys going to the NFL and, and playing on because, you know, the, the, the knowledge that we got from our coaching staff was amazing. Yeah, you know, Elton, one of the fascinating things that Musgrave did with that 2002 offensive line that it, it was just a thing of beauty watching Matt Schaub run screens with you guys. And, you know, obviously you need a great pulling guard to run a great screen, right? And you're the guy. And uh, I was just curious, like before that season, was there anything that Musgrave like saw or just told you guys? Be like, listen, like we're going to be tossing a lot of passes to the running backs and uh, fullbacks because you guys are so good at m moving in space. The, the, the thing, no, it wasn't the, the thing that, that that we were trying to get to uh, was being a good running team, and, and early on, um, we didn't we didn't run the ball particularly well, so. Um, being a great offensive uh, coach, I mean, you find other ways to get the ball in the back pants that's considered a run. Like a screen is basically, in a sense, considered an extended run. So he was just amazing at getting these different screens and, and, and things going to, to, to grasp those running yards that we couldn't get traditionally on the ground. And eventually we became one of the best running teams in the ACC in the, in the country. But early on, we kind of struggled running the ball um, and then we continued to go and recruit and put put, put together a, a great offensive line. But his his job was to find ways to, to grab that hit yardage that, that we couldn't get um, running the ball. So his thing was to find ways to, to get these run yards um, in non-traditional ways. And, you know, Andy Reid was big with it in Philadelphia, the screen game. So just finding ways to take advantage of that, uh, of those, those yards. Yeah. Uh, the screen is one of the most unstoppable plays in football in my eyes when it's run properly. And it was just thing of beauty watching shop screen with the backs and, and guys like you getting out in front blocking. It was really just, it was an art form the way you guys ran the screen, quite honestly. I mean, you could look back in college football that, that team ran the screen just about as good as any team in college football history. There's no question in my mind. Um, let's talk about Matt Schaub a little bit, Big E. What was it like playing with a quarterback like Matt Schaub? Um, it, it was it was like being on the field with another coach. Um, he was he was so well prepared. Um, he always knew uh, what who who was going to be where and, and what to do. He knew. 
what the defense would give us, those type of things. So it was just being, it was like having an extension of the coaching staff on the field with me. And um, he was success. I mean, he was successful, and, and he made himself into a better player each year. That's the thing, like in college football, that you want to do. You, you want to continue to get better each year. Um, he had a rough stint early on, but he fought his way back and, and continued to work. And he was up for he was in the Heisman campaign before he got hurt his senior season. I hate that that happened, but it, it showed how hard that he worked um, to get to that point. Yeah, Matty Schaub, one of the best. Um, he really mastered the art form of the screen. And, um, I mean, we had so many weapons on that team. Jason Snelling was another player on that team that was uh, incredibly underrated in my eyes. And he had a really good NFL career that a lot of people forget about Jason Snelling. That guy had exceptional hands, man. He was he was really yeah. fun to watch. Good hands. He had good hands. He had good vision. Um, he's one of those guys where I think he was a running back in high school. And, of course, when he got there, you know, we had so many great running backs, so he was asked to play fullback in. We were using the fullback in, like, the non-traditional setting. But then he he understood, and, I mean, he would get back there and, and line up in the high formation and line up in the offset and, and go kick those guys out on the power. So when you talk about being a, a good fullback, just the, the run game, it excelled because of guys like him and uh, Chase Luzar played fullback as well. So it made my job easier because when I pull around there, if it's clean for me, it's, it's, a, it's a whole lot easier. So those guys would make the read so so easy for me. It's either they're kicking or they're, or, or they're, um, or they're um, scooping. And both of those guys were so good at um, realizing what to do and, and, and making that decision within a split second. So – it made it a whole lot easier for me to get around there. That's why we're so good at the at the power game. People just see me pull around there and do what I do, but it takes the front side double team. It takes a good fullback kick out um, for me to get around there and do those things. So, you know, I just got the benefit from it, but it was, it was, it was a lot that went into it. Absolutely. I got another Alvin Pierman story for you that popped into my head. Um, Alvin Pierman, I'll never forget this quote, before the 2004 season, I remember Al Groh had made a point of, he wanted us to, Virginia to play more physical football. So Alvin Pierman talked about collision drills that you guys ran in fall camp, and I want you to tell me about this. Pierman said, you guys would line up 20 yards apart and meet in the middle like one-on-one -on -one collision drills. And I remember Pearman, Pearman was talking about that. He's like, we were running collision drills in fall camp, like 20 yards apart. He's like, I was thinking, this is crazy. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't quite 20 yards, but uh, it was, it was, a, it was a drill called a uh, two spot or three spot or four spot. It didn't matter. Um, it would just be it would be a ball carrier and it'd be two guys blocking. So it could be a guard and a wide receiver. It could be a guard and a tackle. It could be a center and a guard. It could be anybody. And on defense, you would match up. Of course, if it was a lineman, you would match up with a lineman. Uh, you would match up with a linebacker. Um, and then it would be a linebacker waiting for the running back. So the job was for offense to score, and the job for defense was to stop them from scoring. And 
it, it got to a point where that drill was so fun that that we would we would be excited to get the practice to do it because it was it was about competition. But we knew it would make each side of the ball better. So we would get to the point where we would run into practice and like coming into the locker room, we would look on the schedule to see if we had two spots or three spots. Um, because we knew we knew the excitement of it, we we knew how fun it was going to be. And in camp that year, um, that when you when you had went two or three tour days in a row, and your body's hurting, of course, and you look up there, and you see two spots, you're like, oh my god, here we go again. But when you get out there, man, it's it's, it's time to concede and it's time to have fun. So um, it wasn't quite twenty yards. It was definitely a collision, and it was a collision every play. But it, it, it got us to the point where we wanted to be about being a, a physically, mentally tough football team, and that's what we became. Absolutely. Um, I got a I got a question for you about a play in the 2002 Continental Tire Bowl. I got to rewatch that before we before I got to interview you today. Um, Lundy had 201 total yards in that game, four TDs, Continental Tire Bowl, MVP. Absolutely incredible game for Wally. I want to talk about the play where Wally had a 48-yard TD off a screen where he he was running down the sideline. The West Virginia guy tried to tackle him. He spun while running full speed and still scored. Like, and he, he actually spun the wrong way. <laughs> he actually, he actually, it was it was crazy because you would you would think how he got hit, he was spinning the opposite way. He actually was spinning into the hit, and, and he still. I mean, he was he was such a great player that he he got hit spinning the opposite way and was able to uh, get his balance and just shoot down the sideline. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I I laugh about it because it was it was it was it's funny, man. And like I said, he spent. He spit the wrong way, but we we gave him we gave, <laughs> we gave him hell about that play too. But you know, I, when you when you score four touchdowns, man, and, and you the MVP, you can you can take that type of criticism. But yeah, I remember that play. You know, it's funny because rewatching that play on the instant replay, you blocked your guy just enough to where he wouldn't get Wally in the backfield because. You know, sometimes you don't even have to hit a guy. You just have to alter his course of direction just enough. And that guy's direction was changed ever so slightly so he couldn't get Wally in the in the backfield. And that play was a great play that showed Wally's exceptional balance, man. Like, that guy had amazing yeah. balance and just incredible hands. One of my all-time favorite Virginia football players ever. I would agree. I would definitely agree. Definitely. It, was, it was a great play. It was definitely, it was funny, but it was, it was a great play. Talk about the uh, Continental Tire Bowl against Pittsburgh. It's funny. I remember I was talking to my brother about the Continental Tire Bowl against Pittsburgh, and he was talking about how our DBs were holding Larry Fitzgerald the whole game. I'm like, I don't remember that. But uh, <laughs> it was just funny to me that you know, on that one play, Pittsburgh tried to punch it in. They were on the goal line. I'll never forget that play. It was it was fourth and goal on about the one-yard line. I remember looking at Larry Fitzgerald on the sidelines, and 
They tried to run it right up the middle at Ahmad Brooks and Kai Parham, and they absolutely stoned them at the goal line. Like, talk about playing with Ahmad Brooks and Kai Parham. I mean, really, two of the more physically gifted players ever to play for Virginia, especially Ahmad, who was, man, that play he made in the Virginia Tech game where he cleared the line before... Brian Randall got yeah. out from under the snap. Just a physical Absolutely. freak. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he kind of reminded me. Reminded me of uh, like a LeVar Arrington at Penn State. Um, he could. He could do everything. He could cover. Um, I remember a game where we played Merlin. He dropped back and dropped back in the Tampa two and got down the middle of the field and caught two interceptions in one game. Um, he could meet your meet your running back in the backfield. Um, he could go sideline to sideline. He had everything he needed to play that position, and he played it well for us. And Chow was like the hammer. Um, like, Chow's going to be the one that, hey, if this fullback trying to get downhill, Chow's going to knock him out. So when you get to a point where you can, in the system that we ran at 3-4, if you get to the point where you get two guys like that inside, that one could do everything and one was that hammer, um, you're going to have great success on defense. And our defense, right behind those guys. And as you can see, um, just that stand. We had a couple stand. We had a stand in the, um, the North Carolina game where they had uh, second, I think it was third and goal from the one. And, and we stopped the two plays in a row. Um, we had that, that, that stand in Pittsburgh. We had a couple of those where um, those guys stood up and, and made plays. So it was it was a it was great plan with those guys. And to me, coming off the field, like I was trying to catch my breath real fast. So, I can stand up and tear these guys on, but watch more so as well. Yeah, Ahmad, I'll never forget the the spring game when Virginia fans got their first glimpse of, of Ahmad Brooks, one of the most highly touted recruits ever to play at Virginia. When when I first got to see that guy in action, I've never seen the Virginia football crowd ooh and ah about a player like watching that guy go sideline to sideline in the spring game. I mean, it was, it was like fans were watching like 4th of July fireworks. Like it was like unbelievable. That guy to this day, like I love watching a mod Brooks play so much. I mean, that guy had 117 tackles as a true freshman. That is absolutely disgusting. Like, yeah, it was, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great, great talent. And, and I mean, just, I mean, just could, could play any position on the field. Like, I mean, he was – he could play running back. He was uh, – one time we opened up the season, he was a kickoff return guy. So, he was, he was just a freak athlete and, and could do anything he needed him to do. Let's talk about Heath, Heath Miller a little bit, Biggie. You gave – now, you gave Heath Miller the nickname Big Money, right? It was a, it was a couple of – yeah, we <laughs> – yeah, we did. Um, I mean, because every time, you know, it's it's first we we can say he came in as a quarterback. So for him to come in and, and Coach Gross said, "Look, we need you to play tight end." For him to put the team before himself was was great. And then he went on to become the best one of the best tight ends I ever played in the ACC. Um, he won the Mackey. Um, but anytime we get, we used to call the red zone like the money zone. So. You know, it was one of those things where we know it was like big money time. And you couldn't do anything with him because if you line up out there and you put a linebacker on, it's too fast for him. If you put a DB on, it's too big for him. So 
it was it was pick your poison. And then if you take if we do put him out there, you take a linebacker out, we're gonna run the ball, and if you put a DB out there, we're gonna throw it up to him. So it was one of those things where you couldn't be right, and and, and he made us right a, a whole lot. <laughs> um, and and that's like I said, it was he, he was he was always money. So that's that's why he was big money. Yeah, I mean, he made so many plays at Virginia. The one of them that really stood out to me was uh, watching the clips of it. That Clemson, the Clemson pylon dive where he dove from about five yards out, like that was yeah, absolutely one, ridiculous for a tight end. Yeah, one of the greatest, greatest. That was Thursday night game, man. You know, just to have a mindset to, to switch the ball. He had the ball in his right hand and switched it to his left and dove and reached out for it. So, I mean, like I said, it, it says a lot about how athletic he was, but the, the smarts that he had for the game as well. Yeah, you know, with Heath Miller, I'll never forget the name Andy Heck as long as I live because I, I know he's the guy who got the credit for uh, switching Heath from quarterback to tight end, right? Yeah, and, and he, he had... And I know he got a lot of the, the, the credit and the praise, which was well deserved. But just to see what he did with that tight end room in general, Pat uh, Estes was another great one we had. Um, he just had a different role. But just to to see what he did with the tight end room was amazing. Um, and then it set it set up a, a run of tight ends too. We had some great tight ends and and UVA history as well. So, but yeah, Coach Heck was was, was great, man. And he was he was even greater, like. Um, in, in the in the film room as well because he was another guy who understood the game so much. We we were credited with uh, and we were blessed with a great coaching staff that knew so much and had so much knowledge. And that's why a lot of those guys end up going and getting jobs in the NFL because it, it, it showed how much knowledge they had and what they knew. Yeah, I agree. You guys did have a great coaching staff. Talk to me a little bit about the process of getting drafted. Biggie, and uh, what what was that like for you in terms of just leading up to the draft, like the process of training, and then and then getting drafted, and just uh, what that process was like for you? Um, I mean, it's, it's it's no different. Of course, you got the anxiety of you know where am I going to go, where am I going to end up. Um, but you know, you train and you know you you do everything for to get ready for this moment. To me, it was just all about preparing for the next step, and the next step was going to be the NFL. So, this training, I ended up going down to New Orleans and worked out with Tom Shaw um, in New Orleans at that time. We had some great guys down there working out as well. Um, but being down there working out and just getting prepared mentally and physically, and you know, draft day, draft day comes, you get drafted, and now it's like on to like that's out of the way. So now it's on to the next thing, and the next thing is, um, you know, going to going to perform and show that you were worthy of wherever you were drafted at, worthy to to go perform and be on that team. So it was it was fun, man. It was, it's a fun time. Um, your dreams get to come true, but then you know, I still got to go out here and do the work as well. Right. Um, talk to me a little bit about the Super Bowl, Biggie, with the Cardinals. Um, you know, I didn't even realize you were in on that play until I looked. They were playing the James Harrison, the James Harrison return that he had all the. I've ne- 
to this day, the most ridiculous play I've ever seen a D lineman make. When James Harrison picked off the pass from Kurt Warner and took it 100 yards for a touchdown. Absolutely insane for a man that big to take the rock that far. Like, absurd. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 um. I mean that that, that game was um. Uh, it was it's great. It's always um. Uh, always tell the story uh, of when you're a kid or when you, you play a certain game or whatever it is. You always want to play the biggest game in your sport. If I'm playing basketball, I want to play in the NBA finals. If I'm playing football, I want to play in the Super Bowl. So to be able to participate in that game was a blessing. Um, that play, like you said, I mean that was. Um, it, it, it was sick. Um, <laughs> I, I hate it had to be against us. So every time they show, um, you know, great plays in, in Super Bowl history, of course that play is going to be up there. So we got to relive that moment a couple times. But um, just to be in that game, uh, we got to play against the Steelers. Keith Miller was on that team, um, coached by Mike Tomlin, who's from my hometown. So to be able to play against those guys and, and play on that stage, man, it was just. It was amazing. It was a blessing. Talk to me a little bit about playing with Kurt Warner, Biggie. Really, um, Hall of Famer, incredible story from Kurt Warner. Uh, it was so much fun watching him play with the Rams and uh, with you guys on the Cardinals. Talk about Kurt Warner a little bit. Kurt was, uh, it was like playing with uh, Max Schaub again. Um, of course, like on a professional level, but the, the amount of preparation that, that Kurt would put in, um, he was like listening to him in the huddle, talk about what's about to happen. So, uh, like it was, it was just crazy. Like he could read, like he was, like, he was like a, a fortune teller or something. Like he could read, like the defense. It was, it was just you had to be in the huddle just to kind of understand the greatness. But just to know, like he was sitting there and. Within those 10 seconds, he would tell everybody, like, if they do this, you do this. Or I'm going to be looking for this because I know they're going to roll to this. And it was just to, to, to do that every play, like, it was it was, it was amazing. So, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to share the huddle with, to me, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. Uh, his story is speak for itself. But he was definitely a leader. Um, he was always well prepared in it. It, it carried over to our team, and I take those lessons with me in, in, in life in general now because, like, it didn't matter. Like, as, as much as he had to fight and, and, and as much as people were against him, he continued to show up every day prepared, and it, it, you can see what it what it did. It, it worked wonders, and, you know, you, you, you don't get in the Hall of Fame by accident, so it's definitely well-deserved. Yeah, you're right, Biggie. That's that's a good quote <laughs> that uh, you don't get in the Hall of Fame by accident. Kurt Warner, really uh, one of the best ever to do it, man. There's no question about it. I, I got an interesting question for you, Biggie. What is the funniest thing that anyone said to you on the line of scrimmage as a D lineman? Because I, I know a lot of stuff goes on between the lines. I want to hear some good What's what's the funniest thing that any D lineman, linebacker, whoever said to you pre-snap? Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I, I remember playing against Brian Young. Brian Young was like eighteen years in when I was a rookie, and I remember going against him, and I was 
you know, I'm, I'm a rookie. We're playing the 49ers and still vet. And he was still strong. And he was still strong like he had just came in the league. But um, I remember just going so hard against him. And, uh, <laughs> and one of the plays, like, our helmet, our helmet had got stuck together. So it was just while they were trying to get our helmet, I like, was like, look, young fella. <laughs> calm down, man. Just, just calm down. Like, man, you don't play. You don't play eighteen years, man. You don't play eighteen years, but I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to make my mark, man. So that was one of that was one of the funny things. Like it was just, just be, look, man. Just calm down, young brother. Calm down. So that was that was funny. That was a funny one. Your guys' helmets got stuck together. Yeah, it was it was because I was going super hard. Like I'm. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a rookie. I'm trying to prove myself. So, just, just, <laughs> he was just, just calm down, young fella. Calm down. <laughs> That's funny, man. I I got an interesting question for you. You're from the Tidewater area. I, I saw you worked at Mike Vick's uh, football camp one time. I'm curious. Let's. Who is the better better football player coming out of high school? We'll go. Mike Vick, Allen Iverson, or Ronald Curry? I I had this question to Mike. <laughs> so the 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 thing like the thing with Iverson was we didn't get to witness multiple years of him playing. Um so that's that's one of the reasons like he would be probably one of the most dynamic if he had played all four years. Um so it takes us to, to Michael Vick and Ronald Curry. Um, like My, Michael Vick was he 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 had like one one receiver. Um, he had a good running game. So it was kind of like spread around. Like Ronald Curry was like the focus point, and he won every game that he played. <laughs> like he was he was that dominant, but he was just he was a sight to see. And you know, on the basketball on the basketball court as well as the football field. So. I would have to go with I would have to go with Ronald Curry. I think he's one of he's the most decorated football player, um, not just in the peninsula but the state of Virginia of all time. I would just wish he would have came to UVA like you said he was. Yeah, I know. It, I, I was kind of puzzled by that because, I mean, from my standpoint, we had better quarterback coaches too. You know, so I, I was puzzled by that, but. Um, you know, he ended up having a pretty decent pro career, and he's with the Saints now. I saw he's yep. a he's a wide receivers coach, but absolutely biggie. Ronald Curry, absolutely incredible football player. <laughs> you know, you know, Vic Hall broke his uh, Vic Hall broke his yardage record. Yeah, but I, I tell people too, and I'm all for it. But it, it was so many, like Ron, Ron. Ron did that, surrounded by so many other great players. So he did have to share the wealth when it came to total yardage. Um, that, and that's not taken away from from Vic breaking his record. But like those guys, would you, you still think about a guy going out there and scoring 57, 50, 60, 70 points, and then sitting down in the fourth quarter. So how many more yards he would have had? So it, it's just. It's just amazing that that guy was able to do that and, and do it week in, week out for four, four, four years. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Ronald Curry, one of the greatest ever to do it in Virginia high school football history. There is 
No question about it, Biggie. And uh, that's a good choice. I wanted to talk to you about getting your jersey retired at UVA. Talk about that and how special that was for you in 2011. Um, I mean, it's, 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 for one, it's amazing. Let me first start say that. But like when you when you come into this, coming to a school or things like that, you just want to be the best player you can be. And however that may be, whatever you got to do, so to eventually play and, and get your your jersey retired shows what how much work you did and what they think about you. So I mean, to me, it was credit to the guys that played with me, played beside me, the fans, all those types of people, because without those guys, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So, but it was amazing. Absolutely, Big E. Well, really appreciate you taking all the time to talk to me, my man. You are a college football legend in your own right, and uh, one of the greatest ever to do it here at Virginia, my man. It was a thing of beauty watching you destroy people in the open field, man. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. It was, it was a pleasure up here. Anytime you want me up, just let me know. It was great. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to have it. All right. Sounds good, Biggie. Thanks so much. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Flow Theory Podcast. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and tune in.